ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might, so that you might live the adventure of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas or topics for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do that is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sf, as in Sioux Falls, sfcatholic.org. Uh, again, my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm joined in studio today, not in studio, on the phone by Dr. Carol Brown. Hi, Carol. Hello, Chris. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, Carol and I are going to be talking today about her answer to a question that I often ask my guests. Um, What does it mean to be a Christian? I'm really excited to hear, and I think you listening will be excited to hear um, how how Carol's going to answer that question just based on her her own life, her own experience, her own formation. talking about that. Like, I think it's a basic question that we don't think often about. Uh, and so I'm excited to be able to ask different guests today, Dr. Carol Braun, what that, what her answer to that question is. Before we get into the conversation, again, I mentioned my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls, which is uh, basically Eastern South Dakota. Um, been in that role since 2002. Um, married to Jermaine. She's from Ohio. I'm from Minnesota. We have five kids. All of them are born born and raised in eastern uh, South Dakota, Sioux Falls specifically. So that's just a bit about myself. Carol, would you mind introducing yourself to the audience a little bit? Sure. Uh, did you want to go first or you want me to go first? No, you go first. Oh, okay. I'll go first. Well, I'm also from South Dakota. I grew up in Faith, South Dakota, a little town uh, out on the prairie. And my dad is, my parents are, are, uh, own a ranch out there, so I grew up uh, under the big blue sky. And uh, it was a great place to really expand the imagination and, uh, you know, had a wonderful, you know, sort of opportunity to just take long walks under the stars at night and contemplate the fact that whoever made all that knew me. Mm. And I was kind of amazed by that. Um, so fast forward, I, I had a I had a conversion experience in high school. I was born and raised Catholic, uh, but I had a conversion experience in high school uh, because of a certain friend, a, a friend of mine in my class that uh, that I was complaining about my problems to one day, and she said, uh, "Carol, have you ever prayed about this?" And I was like, "Pray? <laughs> Why would I do that?" <laughs> you know, I had. I knew all the prayers, uh, but I, I really had a disconnect going on between faith and life. And uh, so, um, anyway, that, that friendship was, was the catalyst for my faith really beginning to blossom. And uh, so, um, fast forward, yeah, I, I uh, got into ministry out of uh, college and um, eventually ended up in um, Steubenville, Ohio, which is where I met you, and uh, did a master's degree there in theology. I uh, went on to work there on staff at the university for another eight years, and then I went on a big adventure, went to Europe, uh, and spent a year in missions uh, in Austria, and then went to do my PhD in Ireland. So I spent another eight years in Ireland, um, both working on PhD, but also uh, in a mission capacity. All the doors for a mission really opened for me when I was in Ireland. So helped start a Christian radio station over there, and... Um, 
Uh, it's uh, actually an ecumenical project, which is uh, kind of an interesting thing to get Catholics and Protestants together right. in Ireland, of all places, right. to proclaim the gospel to get together in a, to a contemporary audience that's a little bit jaded. Um, yeah, and I stayed there till 2013, and then I moved back to the States. I worked in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City for almost five years as the director of the new evangelization and then I came back to my home diocese uh, when a job opened up for this little retreat center where I'm working right now. So I'm back in my home territory. I'm about an hour from my parents and um, just really treasuring uh, this season of my life. So beautiful. Um, so that's, that's a bit about me. Beautiful. Yeah, thank I you. I also teach uh, applied Christian spirituality uh, through, for Catholic Distance University. So. Okay, okay. Um, so I think that's a great, so two things actually, before I get into the conversation, um, we'll definitely, I, I already know I want to have you back on again to talk about, uh, your story. That's another question to ask Carol Brown. What's your story? So a future episode, love to hear more, basically unpacking what you just gave us in sketch form. But for today, okay. let's stick to how you answer the question. What does it mean to be Christian? And just to, again, sort of um, refer back to um, part of your little biography that you just offered us. Um, you mentioned your time in Ireland, um, uh, a jaded audience, if you will, sort of post-Christian in many ways, even a traditional Catholic country. Um, but, but apart from Ireland, just how, how do you, Carol, answer that question, whether it's an Irishman or an American, what does it mean to be a Christian? How would you, how would you start? Well, it's an interesting question to put to a Catholic, because a lot of times, I've, it's been my experience that a Catholic will say, well, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Catholic. Right, uh, <laughs> right. You know, um, and I, I, I remember one specific incident when I was in Ireland where, where a, a girl who, I think she was, she was, she ran a hotel or something, and she told, she, she was a Catholic girl involved with the, um, with Youth 2000, and uh, she mentioned that there was a group coming in, they were, and they were Christians, and, uh, <laughs> And I said, do you think of yourself as a Christian? And she said, well, no, I'm a Catholic. Uh, interesting. <laughs> and so that, it is an interesting thing that, that Catholics uh, don't necessarily, that the word Christian seems to be something that we associate, people who are Protestants will say, I became a Christian. You know, you don't very often hear Catholics uh, say, I became a Christian, um, unless they, you know, uh, were an atheist at some earlier time right. and had a conversion experience or something. So, so that's, that's sort of the first thing. So, um, I mentioned that this girl who was really the catalyst for my own faith waking up, I mentioned her influence on my life and she would talk in those terms, you know, she'd, she'd talk about whether someone was a Christian or not. And it introduced a, um, I guess, a. uh, an idea or a thought to me uh, about the fact that you can decide to become a Christian. You know, um, I had obviously been baptized as an infant. My parents took me to church. Um, I always thought of myself as a Catholic. I learned the prayers. I did all the things. Um, but in that conversation that night, uh, it became clear to me that she knew something about God that I didn't know. Um, I had a, 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 an idea of God that was... Um, very negative, really. Um, mm. I kind of pictured him as being kind of out there somewhere in the universe. Yep. Uh, and and he was kind of if he was keeping an eye on anything, it was to catch me doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was sort of my sense of him that you you know you had to obey the commandments because otherwise you were going to end up in hell. And that was really the extent of what I understood you know God to be. And um, 
anyway, uh, when she asked me if I had ever prayed about this, um, my, uh, my initial reaction was, I, you know, I don't know why I would do that. You know, God, you know, but God, apparently she thought God would be interested in the things I was complaining about, mm. which surprised the heck out of me. <laughs> you know? And it, it jarred something loose in my brain and started me thinking about, um, who God might be. And, um, so, uh, so I'm, I'm so grateful for that moment. I mean, it was so providential in my life. And I have to say, there was a time later when I was in college, um, I chose to go intentionally to go to a Catholic college because having been confirmed in high school, I had been given a good uh, apologetic for the Catholic Church. I believed the Catholic Church was what it claimed to be. Um, I had fallen in love with Jesus, so I fell in love with the Eucharist. And so I intentionally went to a Catholic college in order to augment that faith. And I found myself in an atmosphere that was not helpful, uh, to say the least, mm. mildly. And, um, uh, and I, it began to dawn on me. I began to think about the fact that um, most of my friends who called themselves Christians were Protestants. And most of my Catholic friends weren't acting like Christians. Right. I mean, the drunkenness and the promiscuity and the, you know, the... Um, the the lack of attention to to the Lord to to any love for Him or anything like that it was just missing you know and um, so I began to think uh, that maybe you couldn't be both Catholic and Christian mm. and I know that's probably you know setting people's teeth on edge out there listening to us right now <laughs> um, but this was the eighties you know I was in a Catholic college where where my faith was you know, kind of consistently being eroded away. And um, about uh, uh, early junior year, I thought, you know, I've got to get out of here. And so I prayed and I asked the Lord, you know, uh, I, I just felt like I needed to take a break from college. But one thing I really needed to do was to decide whether I was going to remain Catholic or not, because I wanted to be close to the Lord. And it looked like everybody who was close to the Lord was Protestant. You right, know? right. And, I didn't want. I didn't have the theological problem with the church, um, but I just didn't find any support there. Really, you know, I didn't want to leave the Eucharist or the sacraments or even the teaching authority of the church. I didn't have a problem with any of that, um, but I needed to be around other people who took Jesus seriously. So, um, and tell me if I'm getting off track. No, no, go. You're fine. Kind of, uh, okay. So, um, what ended up happening is I ended up. Um, signing up for some training in youth ministry that was offered by a Protestant outfit. And I, I made a deal with the Lord and I said, look, Lord, I, I just want to be close to you. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go on an experiment here. I don't really want to leave the church, but you know, uh, I, I need to find out if I can be close to you, closer to you by being in another church, um, then I will. And if I can't, I won't. Um, but you need to show me. So in his marvelous providence, he brought me into, he connected me with an organization uh, called Tent Makers, and they, do, they did youth ministry training, and then they matched you up with a church that was looking for a youth minister. They didn't serve any Catholic churches, so I ended up, um, I ended up serving in a, a Lutheran church in southeastern Iowa, where the pastor's wife was Catholic. Wow. So they went to Mass together on Saturday night. Wow. And so, <laughs> and so, I started going to Mass with them, obviously. They went to the church, you know, that was my parish, would have been my parish. So we all went to Mass together on Saturday night, and we went to the Lutheran Church on Sunday. And uh, so for those two years that I worked down there, I had a marvelous opportunity to rub shoulders with the whole spectrum of 
of uh, Protestant Christians, and they built me up in, I can't tell you how many ways they built me up in my faith. Um, but I also noticed that um, they didn't seem to agree about some of the most important things. Uh, they didn't agree about when, when it was appropriate to baptize. They didn't agree about marriage and divorce. They didn't agree about, you know, sexual ethics. Um, there, there just were a lot of things. Uh, they didn't agree on what the Eucharist was, um, and uh, and yet they all claimed the Bible is the sole rule of faith. Sure. And so, uh, and even abortion uh, became an issue. I, it, I I was terribly shocked one day to realize that some of the people in in the church that I was serving were 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 open to uh, you know aborting uh, a Down syndrome child. You yeah. know. Uh, uh, and I, I just, I was shocked by that. And I went to the pastor and I said, you know, do, do Lutherans believe you can, uh, do, do they believe in abortion? And he just kind of looked a little sheepish and he said, well, you know, I mean, we don't want people to feel guilty for the rest of their life, you know? And I just thought, you know what? <laughs> I am not going to find the truth this way. Right. And so, um, that <clears throat> kind of settled, uh, the other thing is that I also had the opportunity to sponsor someone in RCIA during that time, okay. interestingly enough. Yeah. So that also uh, um, sort of presented to me or, or reaffirmed to me that, that in the Catholic Church, there's more, you know, there's more sacraments, there's more teaching authority, there's more books in the Bible, there's just more. And, um, and so I made the decision to remain Catholic. And, uh, but I felt like my job, my, my vocation in life is to help get the lights on around here, you know, that, that this Yep. This whole idea of, of being in a committed relationship with the Lord is um, needs to stop being kind of a foreign idea to us. You Amen. Know? Uh, and so what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, obviously we believe we, be, we become a Christian at baptism, you know, but um, we take a lot for granted, I think, uh, in the way that we form people. We tend to skip over some of the really important initiatory steps. Um, that help a person to become a Christian, not only by by baptism, but also by conviction and by um, by faith. That's a, know, by really per- personal faith. Uh, that's a great that's a great distinction that I, that I want to unpack uh, unpack here in a minute. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and talking today with Dr. Carol Brown about her answer to the question, "What does it mean to be a Christian?" Um, and Carol had just sort of given um, part of this part of her life story journey, which led her to a renewed conviction about the fullness of truth found in the Catholic Church. But just getting right with there, you were saying, Carl, uh, Carol, sorry, um, baptized is we're, when we're baptized, that's when we become Christian. But but we need to become Christian not only by our baptism, so therefore in our being, but also by conviction. So also my words now, not yours, in our mind, in our heart as well. So I love mm-hmm. baptism, not just by, or sorry, Christian, not just by baptism, but by conviction as well. So, what do you, what do you, what are those steps that you've seen? And I've, I've, I have an idea of where you're going, but I, I, I want you to, to be able to offer it. What are those steps that that we're, we're missing? What is it that, uh, in your experience, which which I know mirrors mine, um, what are those things that we're missing as we're forming Catholics in their Christian identity? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. You know, normally there there is a there is uh, there are some norms in the way that we form people, and we take them from is it Acts two twenty two two forty two I think uh, I think forty two forty two yeah where where they say they 
they they attended to the the prayers, the um, breaking of the bread, the teaching of the apostles, and what's the other thing? There's four pillars. Um, <laughs> uh, right, we we need to re, we need to re, uh, re, <laughs> the teaching of the apostles. The bre- they, yeah, right, right. Um, and and, and uh, yeah, fellowship among the other, which is where we get the yeah, third. Yeah, the yep. fellowship. The fellowship. Yeah. So let me just start that part over. So. There are four pillars in uh, the Catholic Catechism that come from Acts 2.42, uh, where it says that uh, the the people who had just been converted um, uh, came together, and they they were attended to the the fellowship, the teaching of the apostles, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers, those four things. And those are the four sections of, of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So, so typically, in, a, in any Catholic experience, they, you know, they, they're sacramentally initiated. They, um, they, uh, they learn the prayers. They learn, you know, the, our Father, the Hail Mary, the Creed, the Glory Be, all the basic prayers. They, they go to catechism class or they go to religious education in the parish or in the school or whatever. So they learn the doctrines. They learn the rules, all right, the, the moral rules. Um, they go to mass and, uh, they're usually called to service in some one form or another, you know, and they, you know, they, they participate in the Knights of Columbus. They help with the fundraisers. They help with the bake sales. They help with the youth ministry lock-ins and, uh, you know, the safe environment stuff. There's lots of different ways to serve, uh, to be of service in the Catholic church. That's, that's sort of the normal, you know, if, if, if someone's still doing those things by the time they reach adulthood, we count it a win, right? Right, right. Um, but, uh, as I began to, um, I I have to tell you one other story. Um, so I, uh, I got a job, uh, after my Lutheran church job, I got a job looking for a Catholic church and I was part of a, um, a diocesan team to, uh, to help, um, develop the, the Catholic youth conference every year, you know? And so I, I arrived at the meetings for the planning for that one day and, you know, the draft schedule was laying there on the table and I'm looking it over and, you know, everything's there, the, the, you know, the keynote speaker and the mass and the, the games and the skits and the dance and the, you know, uh, the, the workshop on social justice and the workshop on sexuality. That's all kind of standard stuff, um, in the eighties, things that needed to be done. And so, um, so I, I, I noticed that there was nothing in there about how to have a relationship with, with the Lord. And I said, how about we do a little workshop on how to have a relationship with the Lord? And the guy leading the meeting, the diocesan guy, said, um, "Oh yeah, we don't believe in that." What? And uh, <laughs> well, you're laughing. I mean, I'm I'm you know the youngest person in the room. There, oh there were gosh. you know ha- uh, half a dozen or a dozen uh, catechists and youth ministry leaders from around the area in the room to plan with us. Nobody disagreed with him. Wow. And I, you know, I just I just was, um, you know, I kind of felt dumb, I guess, you know, and and. Uh, but I just, I, I, I was bothered by this, you know, I mean, and, and he filled out the statement by saying, you know, uh, we don't believe in Jesus and me, we believe in Jesus and we. Well, yeah, so but... the community aspect of the faith is, is really, you know, what we as Catholics um, stand on, you know, it's, it's all community. And I, you know, here I am thinking, gosh, I think community is dang hard to find in the Catholic Church, <laughs> you know. Right. That's one of the reasons I started going to the Protestants, right. because I was looking for you know, genuine friendships and genuine, genuine fellowship and community with people who, you know, had a great deep love for God, you know? And, um, so anyway, I was bothered by that. Carol, Carol, let me, I want to interject there, Carol. So, 
uh, I mentioned that my wife and I uh, have five kids. You know, I, I, I don't I don't have a relationship with with each of them. I just have a relationship with all of them because, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's just about all the kids. You know, I to have a relationship with with each one of them, you know, that'd just be, you know, inappropriate or something. That'd be too much. Yeah, yeah. Too, too, too much. much. It'd be yeah. too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If you're just tuning in, yeah. you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the New Evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Berg, while visiting today with Dr. Carol Brown and what it means to be a Christian. And Carol's just giving me a, a litany. Of, well, this is the 80s. This is long ago, Carol. So things are very different now, right? Yeah, yeah. The conversation has changed in a marvelous way. Uh, I'll tell you how, how I kind of had a little breakthrough on that. I, I showed up at work one day. Um, in the parish that I worked in, and the, the lady that ran the business office, the business part of the things, uh, told me, you know, we're going to be painting that big room downstairs where all the books are, and we're going to be throwing away a lot of the books. So look, go down and help yourself. If you want anything, you can have it. And I love books. And so I went down there and started poking around, and, you know, lots of Louis L'Amour books and lots of Danielle Steele books, oh, yeah. and romance novels, and all kinds of things, <laughs> John Gresham and whatnot. I came upon uh, a little trove of church documents, and I had actually never seen a church document before. And so I thought, well, this looks really interesting. And I gathered up a pile of them and I took them to my office. And one day I had a minute and I grabbed one of them and, and uh, started reading it. It was by John Paul II. Um, and it was called Catechesis. Uh, I know where this is going. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it rocked my world. Yeah. I found out that the Pope agreed with me. Yes. Not with the guy running the diocese. Yes. <laughs> so, because th- that the purpose so. of catechesis is to people put people not only in touch, not only in communion, but in intimacy with Jesus Christ. Yeah. That was the first thing that just knocked my socks off. That sounds to me like a personal relationship. Yes, it does. If we're talking intimacy, <laughs> we're not talking about God loving us in general. Right. Right. And so um, you press on in the book, and I mean, it's so rich. I can't encourage your, your listeners enough to have a read of it if they've ever struggled with this idea of whether the Catholic Church believes in having a personal relationship or not, because John Paul II really set the record straight on that. You get into sections 18, 19, and 20 of that document, and oh my goodness, um, one, of my, one of the things that I just, I, I wrote wow in the margins with, <laughs> with big exclamation points. Um, He talks in, I think it's uh, number 20 or 21, he talks about how um, many, first he talks about the model order of catechesis, you know, uh, the model order based on sort of adult conversion, you know, and he says, but this model order must take account of the fact that many children in the parish will come for catechesis who have had no other initiation into the faith and still have no personal attachment no explicit personal attachment to Jesus Christ. Yep. They only have the capacity to believe and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to talk about how catechesis always has to be about bringing about conversion. Amen. You know, we can't just uh, inform people of the documents. We actually have to, we have to find ways of drawing them into this relationship with Jesus, this intimate personal relationship with Jesus. Um, and I just, I, I just was blown away by this that the Catholic Church teaches this stuff that has been the ache of my heart since I was in college, looking for people who shared my own, you know, enthusiasm and 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 growing love for uh, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I, I think the thing for me of similar realization later for me, it's this has probably been about ten years ago or so now, uh-huh. um, that that catechesis, properly speaking is supposed to be after 
um, after, after I've, I've um, intentionally embraced Jesus Christ in a personal way. So I, most of us baptize as infants, as, as you were saying, we need to uh, be Christians not only by baptism, but by conviction. So whatever point, hopefully, ideally in, in teens, as adolescents, when we're, when we're maturing and our, our, our faith becomes our own, where we develop yeah. a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then catechesis, properly speaking, is supposed to fill out the basics. Like, what does it mean exactly. now for me to, but so, as you said, as, as the Holy Father, John Paul II, um, and everybody knows, I mean, this is the common experience. Most young people, like most adults who come to quote unquote catechetical programs aren't there yet. Uh, so we need yeah, to, right. in the midst of catechesis, offer conversion, as you said. Carol, yeah. we've only got about yeah. three minutes left. So I just want to start to, you know, as we're drawing to a, a close here, sort of, sort of like crystallize like the fruit of your reflection, the fruit of your work. Yeah. Um, okay. What else would you like to share? Yeah, let me just give a, a, a nutshell. So I told you earlier that the, the church kind of has has built a scaffolding on those four pillars, right? That's right. scaffolding for our faith. Um, and there are typically three or four things that are essential to conversion in the thought of John Paul II. This is what I did my doctorate on, by the way. Uh, there are three or four things that um, that are missing in the experience of most Catholics, and I'm just going to spell them out for you real quick, and, and then you can take it from there. The first one is um, a dialogue with the Word of God, okay? God initiated a conversation with us in divine revelation, and uh, and that Word still speaks today. The Bible is like God's cell phone, you know? <laughs> God wants yeah. to tell us about Himself, that's where we go. Um, to find out about who God is, because he has revealed himself. Now, I know the Bible itself is a little bit um, intimidating as, a, as the whole tome, so you take it in little bite-sized pieces, you know, and you develop a, a devotional life to the Scripture, to learn the Scriptures and to hear from God. Um, that process of, of dialoguing with the Word of God sets you up, it sort of sets up the interior space for an encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen. So one day he will he will sneak up on you and suddenly you realize you're you're in his presence you know and uh, uh, in my case when that happened he asked me a question and the question was will you be on my side and I didn't know how to answer that I wasn't ready to say yes just yet you know I knew it meant saying no to sin and I wasn't really ready to do to that, do that. Either, yeah you know but but the time came when and this is the third thing um, what was number two sorry what was number two. In the encounter with Christ. Encounter with Christ, so okay. First, yeah, so the dialogue with God's Word. Secondly, the, the personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Yep. And the third one is the personal act of faith, mm. you know, or the act of self-entrustment to the Lord. These are all missing pieces for the most part for Catholics. Uh, statistics show us that about 25% of Catholics uh, have read, read Scripture on a weekly basis. That corresponds with about 25% of Catholics who go to Mass on Sunday. So most of the contact that most Catholics have with the scriptures is what they hear when they Amen. go to Mass. Amen. That's it. You know, what, what's the fourth one, Carol? Enough. We just got half a minute left. What's the fourth one? The then? fourth one is a personal relationship with Jesus. When you've made the act of faith, your prayer changes from rote prayers to actually relating to someone that you love. And that changes everything else. Those other four pillars are completely transformed when all of those four things are going on. So... Dr. Brown, we're going to have to have you back to ta unpack those four okay. pillars that we got in one minute. <laughs> Thanks for being with us today, Carol. This has been great. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Chris, for having me. You bet. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.